Well, again, today is Communion Sunday uh, for us, uh, that first Sunday of the month uh, where we have a, a table-focused uh, service uh, where we celebrate uh, God's goodness to us uh, through the sacrament of the table. And, of course, this morning, uh, getting to, to witness the sacrament of baptism as well. And so having uh, received new members this morning, and in particular those uh, uh, being some of our, our young folks, we celebrate, as Steve prayed, uh, as Dennis mentioned, as we celebrate God's faithfulness through generations uh, in families as well as individuals. And not just the lives of those that stood up here, but the lives of us that are gathered here. Uh, we celebrate God's goodness uh, together. And so this morning, as we prepare to come to the table, uh, as we uh, prepare to, to share in, and to celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper together as God's people, uh, I, I want us to go back to one of the accounts of the first Lord's Supper, uh, the Last Supper, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the Last Supper that he shared with his disciples. And so I'd like us to hear that uh, from the Gospel writer Matthew, the way that he recorded it. And so that, that means that our passage is going to be Matthew uh, chapter 26, uh, verses 26 through 29. Well, let's pray, and then we will hear God's word. Lord God, uh, we do thank you for your faithfulness, uh, your faithfulness to us, for, uh, for the gift of salvation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And as we now prepare ourselves to come at your invitation, to come to your table, to take and eat the bread, to take and drink the cup, we ask, Lord, that you would first nourish us through your word by the power of your spirit. Amen. And so, Matthew chapter 26, uh, beginning with verse 26. Hear the word of God. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And this is God's word. Of course, you know already, and, and it's, it's clearly seen here in our passage, that, that Jesus has given us uh, two items, two elements to use in our celebration of the Lord's Supper. He's given us bread and wine. Bread and wine. And if you were uh, with us back in the fall, one of those communion Sundays, we talked about bread. That was our focus that morning, uh, looking at, at Jesus, the the life-giving, sustaining bread. Jesus, the bread of life. And so today we're going to focus on the other element. We're going to focus on wine. 
the cup of wine, or, or as Matthew puts it, the fruit of the vine. And so the question before us is, is why? Why wine? Why would Jesus choose to, to give wine for our celebration uh, of his table, of the Lord's Supper? Well, I want you to think back to that very first miracle of Jesus. The very first miracle of Jesus. You remember what it was? It was at a wedding, and Jesus turned water into wine. He turned water into wine at a wedding. And not just any old wine, but the very best of wines. And one of the things that we're reminded of in, in, in that very act is we are reminded that our God is a God of joy. That he is a God of, of celebration. A God who gives and then celebrates new life. Now, do you know how many times the word wine shows up in the Bible? It's a lot. Uh, the, the word wine shows up nearly 250 times throughout Scripture. And, and, and that's just the word itself. And of course, there are dozens and dozens of other references to it. Uh, one of the, the ways that wine is often referred to is as a cup. Uh, just like here in, in our passage, verse 27, a cup. And biblical scholars often refer to uh, one of the cups in Scripture as the cup of joy. The cup of joy. And why is that? Well, it's because wine is often a symbol of joy. A symbol of life, of celebration, of gladness. For example, in Psalm 104, the psalmist give thanks to God for giving wine to gladden the heart of man. To gladden the heart of man. And so we're, we're reminded that joy is sensory and experiential. And the Lord even says uh, through the psalmist elsewhere, Come, taste, and see. Come, experience the goodness and joy of God. Well, wine is also a symbol of God's coming kingdom. And we know that that is a kingdom of joy. So, one example, in Isaiah 25, uh, the prophet declares, On this mountain of God's salvation, the Lord will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And so, what we see is it's the fullness of, of God's kingdom. It's the coming of the king, the king of joy. And friends, this is what he will serve you. This is what King Jesus will give to us on that great day when he comes back, that we will celebrate with the very best of foods and the very best of wines. For one day, all in Christ, we will eat, drink, and be merry in the fullest expression of grace-infused joy. What a day that will be. Okay, so, so that's the cup of joy. However, there, there are actually two cups of wine in Scripture. Not only is there the cup of joy, but also there's the cup of wrath. 
The cup of God's wrath against sin. So a few examples. In Jeremiah 25, the Lord says, Take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath, and make all the nations under my dreadful judgment drink it. In Psalm 75, the psalmist declares, It is God who executes judgment. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine well mixed, and he pours out from it, and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. In Revelation 14, an angel declares, The wicked will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. Again, the wine of God's wrath against sin. The cup that we should be served. The cup that we deserve. A terrifying cup. Okay, so so think back to another moment in Jesus' life. Because we know that right after this Last Supper with his disciples, where did they go? They went to the garden. The Garden of Gethsemane. And do you remember what happened to Jesus in that garden? He began to sweat. To sweat drops of blood. This terrifying cup before him. For Jesus cries out, Father, if possible, take this cup from me. And the cup that Jesus is referring to is the cup of God's wrath. Now, of course, Jesus knew that there was no other way. It didn't lessen the fact that it was terrifying. But he knew there was no other way. In fact, that was the very reason that Jesus came. To die in our place on the cross. To take the punishment for our sin. To drink the cup of wrath for us so that we wouldn't have to. And so as as we look to the cross... Not just today, but every day. When we, when we look to the cross, what we see is we see both the severity of our sin and also the amazing love of our God. The severity of our sin and what we deserve and also the amazing love of God and how He delivered us. You see, the, the, the red wine that Jesus gave us for, the, for our celebration of the Lord's Supper of Communion, the red wine symbolizes the shed blood of Jesus. We sang about it earlier this morning. Jesus himself says, verse 28, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, there's a British pastor that I've really enjoyed reading these past few years, and one of the reasons that I enjoy reading him is, one, he writes short books, and I'm not a big reader, but what he writes, it's always very clear and concise, and really helps to illustrate something in a very simple and yet profound way. And he writes this, reflecting on what Jesus said here. On the night before he died, Jesus made a covenant with his people. He committed himself to the forgiveness of their sins. And this covenant agreement was sealed by drinking a shared cup of wine. 
That was like his signature at the bottom of the contract. The shared cup of wine going around to each of the disciples and extending to us his signature at the bottom of his contract, his covenant with us. The next day, Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the covenant by shedding his blood on the cross. And thus the wine is called the blood of the covenant because it is a picture of the way that God delivered on that promise. Amen? And so as we begin to understand that more and more, as we see it more and more clearly, as God opens us to understand it more, in fact, as we taste and see, as we experience that reality more and more, it it should fill us, it should fill us with awe, relief, gratitude, and joy. So think about it this way. Think of a a glass of water. So are you a glass half empty or half full kind of person? Maybe it depends on the day. But here's a different perspective. And and this is uh, an illustration. I've shared it with you before. Uh, It's really been one that has helped me tremendously uh, these past several years. And it comes from Pastor Milton Vincent. And he puts it this way. If I view life's blessings as water in a drinking cup, I know that I could discontentedly focus on the half of the cup that seems empty, or I could gratefully focus on the half that is full. Now, certainly, the latter approach is the better of the two. And yet, the gospel cultivates within me an even richer gratitude than this. You see, the gospel reminds me first that what I actually deserve from God is a full cup. That I deserve a full cup churning with the torments of his wrath. And this is the cup that would be mine to drink if I were given what I deserve each day. So with this understanding in mind, I see that to be handed a completely empty cup from God would be cause for infinite Gratitude, an empty cup, no wrath in it. And he continues. Now, if there were merely the tiniest drop of blessing contained in that otherwise empty cup, just the tiniest drop of blessing, then I should be blown away by the unbelievable kindness of God toward me. For just that tiniest drop of blessing. But that God... But that God, in fact, has given me a cup that is both full and overflowing with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And this, this without the slightest admixture of wrath. Oh, it leaves me truly dumbfounded with inexpressible joy. With inexpressible joy. A cup that is full and overflowing with God's blessing and promises to us. And in this joy, you know what the writer of Hebrews, how, how the writer of Hebrews puts it, that it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross, that he endured the pain and suffering of the cross. It was for our joy to be joined with his. For Jesus had already said, 
I have come that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Friends, not every day feels like a day of joy. But we do know that one day it will be complete. We do know that one day our joy will be complete in Christ. And on that great day, when Jesus returns and makes all things new, He will raise a cup and He will drink anew with you and with me. He will drink the fruit of the vine in the fullness of His Father's kingdom. That's what we have to look forward to. And so now, as we come to the table, as we come to the table this morning, I want to encourage you to think of it as covenant renewal, vow renewal. And and to do that, to to help us sit in that that motif, in in that metaphor of covenant renewal, I want to encourage you, again, to think back to the setting for Jesus' very first miracle, a wedding. And as you think back to that wedding where Jesus was, at the same time, I want to encourage you to to, to look ahead, to look ahead to the the consummation of all things. And and as, as we hold those two together, I want to leave you with this, or, or rather lead us to the table uh, with this. Uh, these words from an esteemed pastor uh, years ago who said, Jesus sat amidst all the joy of that wedding feast, sipping the coming sorrow and suffering of the cross. And he did that so that today you and I who believe in him, so that we can sit amidst all the world's sorrow and suffering and yet sip the coming joy of all things made new. So brothers and sisters, in the midst of all that we may be facing, as we now come to the table, let us taste and see Let us anticipate and let us sip the coming joy. Amen. Amen.